All right, class, this is the first day of our online read out loud. I am going to be starting on chapter 30 of The Truth is Told by Mason Buttle. As you know, we got to the part where they had managed to get the large tube that they're going to be putting into their cave, and they've painted the inside to make it bright. And now we are on chapter 30. This chapter is called Bad Timing. Sunday morning. I cannot wait to get into the root cellar again. Got to see how the paint dried. But I don't go down there without Calvin. I come out of the crumble down with four pieces of toast in my hand, and I wait by the edge of Swigertown Road. Take a few bites, watch for Calvin to come down John a Gold Path. Then I think this. Might as well go up and meet him. I take a look to my left, then right, check for cars. Don't you know it, there's one coming. Not too fast, I think, but I step back anyway, and then I see it. It's a Merrimack PD Cruiser. Another look and I see it. Number 003. That's Lieutenant Baird. And now he's slowing down, way down. Sure thing. He pulls off Swigertown Road. Tires crackle over the gravel right next to my feet, and I hear the swoosh. Lieutenant's window is going down. He hangs one arm out, waves with two fingers. I swallow hard, and toast crumbs get caught in my throat. Lieutenant says, good morning, Mason. I say, good morning. In my head, I think this. It was a good morning. Not so sure now. He says, having a little breakfast today, are you? I scuff my foot and say, toast. Then I say, and I'm waiting for someone. He looks at me. Oh, yeah? Who's that? He turns his head, looks up John Gold Path, just quick. And I say, a friend, Calvin Chomsky. He looks at me. What are you planning? I think about it. We're planning plenty, but I will not give up the root cellar to him. I say, we just hang out, which is true enough. I think this, the lieutenant does not usually visit on a Sunday morning, and maybe this is not a real visit. Maybe it's more like bad timing, like he was just coming along Swigertown Road and saw me, but now he's here, and I worry he will say he wants to go inside the crumble down. Take a look at that notebook he gave me. I know I have not been good about putting anything into it for him. The feeling of pressure comes. I see the ugly green. Starts up in spots this time, then turns splotchy. I blink. Lieutenant Lieutenant Baird says, Well, enjoy your breakfast and your Sunday. Stay out of trouble. I'll see you soon. I nod. His window goes up with a snap, and I'll tell you what. I can't believe that's all. I breathe. The green stuff goes away. The cruiser rolls onto Swaggertown Road and is gone. Funny thing. I'm looking at Ch- Calvin Chumsky. He's standing at the bottom of John Gold Path. I think he's been waiting to cross. He's got a granola bar in one hand and a garden trowel in another. I shrug. Show him that I have toast. Two pieces still. Both a little broken from me holding them too hard and soggy from my sweaty hands. Calvin crosses. We don't talk about the 003 cruiser. We have something else to do. Chapter 31, The Big Dig. 
Things here are Sunday morning quiet down on the Drinkle Yard. Just Mooney. Small black and white curl up on a patio chair. The timing is good. Calvin and I slip behind the tractor, in through the bramble door, and we sit inside the cellar to finish our breakfasts. Peaceful. We look down at our good work. The paint is dry. Well, mostly. The smell is gone. Mostly. I got Uncle Drum's flashlight propped in a recess at the back of the wall. Seems like a little more light in here than before. This is because of the pale walls. Reflective is what this is. Calvin promises there is even more light coming. He clicks on his tablet and finds the light shaft picture again. What we have to do is this. First, we have to go up on top, like we were standing on the outside roof of this root cellar. Second, dig a perfectly circular hole all the way down to the wooden ceiling here on the inside of the root cellar. He points up. Calvin says, I think we'll hit the ceiling boards about five feet down, maybe six. We'll have to keep the hole super perfect, Mason. We want the sauna tube to fit tight. I looked at Calvin. We have to go six feet? And wide as the tube? Did you bring that little bitty trowel to help us? He says, yeah, I know. It's all we have at my house. I tell him, you can put that away. I've got something else. I fold my last piece of toast into my mouth, wipe my hands on my pants, and then go. I, I go to search the shed. Lucky thing, I find the post hole digger that is in the mess of tools all leaned up against the back wall. I grab it, then I go stand where Calvin tells me to, in the brambles, all the way up to my shins. I take one look to check the drinker yard. I'm up high here. Anyone coming out that back door could sh- would be sure to see me, but it's just Mooney down there. I watch him stretch and then curl up again, and then I look down between my feet I plunge the digger in, breaking the ground. Tell you what, it goes slow, but I can dig clean. I keep the sides straight, keep that hole wide enough for the tube. I lift the plugs of dirt out of the hole, one at a time. That's how it goes with the post hole digger. Calvin helps, drags the prickler canes out of my way. I dig down about two feet, and then I rest my sweaty cheek on my hands and on the handles of the digger. Calvin thunks the tube into the hole. Never mind that the tube is taller than he is. He puts his arms around it, a big lift, mighty Calvin. He twists it around into the hole, hauls it out again. The tube makes a circular mark down in the dirt. I know to follow that. Calvin talks about precision. I talk about it being the deepest hole I've ever dug. We spend a long morning doing this and then take a lunch break. I'm soaking wet, gross out. I change my shirt, eat two sandwiches, drink two glasses of milk. Calvin has one each. We battle Shailene for the last of the v- last six vanilla wafers. We win all of them, thanks to Grandma. Back outside, the hole is deep. The digging gets crazy hard. Last 18 inches takes the longest. I drop the digger into that hole, bending my knees, full squat, and then lift it out again. I pluck about a cup of dirt out at a time. Slow go. Calvin's part gets harder, too. The tube gets stuck lots. On the way in, on the way out, so I have to help. Finally, finally, I thump the digger down into the hole, way down deep, and there's a sound, like wood. Calvin shouts into the air and says, That's it! You're there, Mason! Then he's quieter to say, 
You hit the ceiling of the root cellar. Sweet! We sink the tube in one last time, push down hard on it. It sticks up out of the ground just about one foot. Calvin says that that's all good. We can leave it in place now. Then he sits his bum down on it like a baby on a potty. He wiggles his feet, tan sandy shoes, and it gets me laughing. But then he hops up again, back to business. We go down into the root cellar. We look up and he says, one circle cut to go, Mason. I tell Calvin, I get it. I know what to do. I know because of Benny Kelmartin's dad, Andy. I helped him cut a hole for their dryer vent. We had to match up the hole in the sheetrock to the hole in the house siding, indoors to outdoors. This light shaft is way bigger and deeper than that, but the same kind of job. You drill is what you do. Lucky thing, our drill is charged up. It's a cordless. I stand on a bucket and reach up. I try to find the center. That's a little bit of a hit or miss. Prayers and wishes is what Andy Kilmartin would have said. And I remember. Benny closed his eyes for a few seconds like he was doing both, praying and wishing. But Calvin keeps his eyes open. To measure. He tells me where to try. I pray and wish and I drill. And then I stick a piece of coat hanger wire up into the hole. Calvin runs up top, looks down the tube to see where it comes out. And he calls to me. And I hear him. Amazing. It's Calvin's voice coming down through the earth. And then I know. It's built like the laundry chute. All I have to do is get this piece of wood out of the way. Calvin says, so close. Drill another hole. Just one inch to your right. Okay, Mason? To your right. I hoist the drill up, squint my eyes, make the new hole. I stick the wire in and Calvin shouts, yes, that's the middle. Perfect. Inside the cellar, I boost him up. He draws a circle on the wood, measures it with his eyes and an old school ruler from our toolbox. And I say, hey, it looks a little small. Isn't our tube bigger? He says, precisely. This is smaller, so the wood will support the sauna tube, like the lip for it to sit on. Otherwise, the tube would come falling straight through the root cellar. We've worked too hard for that to happen. So I say, right. Wish like crazy I had a new saw, even a small one, to start punching this thing open. We had one once, probably still have it somewhere, but the toolbox is not in an order that I could find it. Can't even ask Uncle Drum. He's not home. Sunday is his longest day at the diner. He stays on for Stuart's tour, turkey and gravy dinner. So I go mad wild drilling with some, the same little drill bit, and Calvin says, go, Mason, Swiss cheese that thing. I go around and around the circle Calvin drew. I put holes like where the clock numbers go, then more holes in between that. Hard thing is drilling upward. Takes a lot of grunts. Dirt falls through the little holes and hits me in the face, but I get all the way around. And then I drill a bunch of holes tight together and make a slot. I tell Calvin, that should be big enough to fit the blade of the handsaw through. All I have to do is saw along it, connecting those dots until it's all cut open. Soon as I say it, I remember, I don't have that handsaw, and I let out a squawk. Calvin remembers too, and we both say, no handsaw! Calvin paws through the toolbox and holds up a chisel and a hammer. Well, I'll tell you what, it's another big job. I drill more holes, and then I go all along the circle with the hammer and chisel. I blink my eyes to keep dirt and splinters out. Finally, finally, that circle of wood drops. 
hits me right in the lip, down comes a shower of dirt. Well, my lip smarts, makes my eyes tear up. I blink like crazy, and then I look. I see Calvin, and he's standing right below the hole. I'll tell you what, there is light. Holy cow! Chapter 32, End of a Day You can guess it. Calvin and I are dirty after all of our work. We have bramble scratches all up and down our legs and arms. But we stay. We take turns looking up through the shaft into the sky. It's all good. And then Calvin says, the dead man! I look at him. What? He says, the shaft of the dead man from the caves of Lasco. I can't believe I didn't think of it before. Remember that drawing of the stick man with the bird head on him? He was half lying down with the other bird nearby. I say, oh yeah. Calvin looks at me. We should paint our own version of him right here. Maybe on the floor where the light hits, it will shine on him. Yeah, the shaft of the dead man. It's meant to be. Well, he might be right, but we cannot do that to the day. The sun is too low and Calvin has to go home before it gets dark. That's the rule. We make a five-gallon bucket, turn it upside down over the opening at the top of the new shaft. It's got to have a cover, you see. Keep out the rain. It sticks some, but it doesn't look like much. We kick the loose brambles back over it. And I say, guess we turned out the light down on the root cellar. Calvin laughs. Yeah, for now. We need one more thing to finish that light shaft off just right. I don't know what yet. We need a clear cover for the tube. I say, like a five-gallon bucket with a glass bottom in it? It's a joke, but Calvin doesn't laugh. He's thinking hard. He says, hmm, something, a bubble or a dome cap. Yeah, it really should be a dome, because in theory, a curve will collect more light and send it down the shaft. I'm thinking that that sounds amazing. I'm also thinking, good luck to us finding one. We've looked inside the construction dumplers, dumpsters plenty. Nothing like that in there. And I start to think, what's in the shed? Then I think of my way along the roads inside of Bischel's hardware store and in Grandma's kitchen. Nothing. Calvin and I soap up our scrapes and scratches at the spigot. Stings like crazy. It's a whole day of dirt running off of us, making a puddle. Then don't you know it, up comes Mooney, all by surprise. He wags and crouches, pushes between Calvin and me, about knocks us off our feet. We get tail slapped and he dances in the puddle. His pink tongue laps at the trickle from the spigot and Calvin laughs again. He says, drink, 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 Mooney drinker. And then Mooney does. And I say, Mooney boy, what are you doing here? How did you get out? Is your gate open? Huh, buddy? Huh? And that dog licks me like I'm a steak bone. We give him chest scratches, four hands on him. It's nice that Calvin likes this dog. Pretty good. Then I walk with Calvin and Mooney out to the road. I hook my finger under Mooney's collar, just gentle, just safe. I watch Calvin start up John Gold Path. I like to see that he's on his way, going home for supper. It helps me feel all right. And I think this, Monday's coming. Another day at the cluster stop. Won't be bad this time. Calvin and I have a place now, the root cellar. It keeps getting better in there. And Calvin has more plans. I like it. I still miss the limbs and the branches of the tree fort, but maybe not as much now. I take Mooney home, wander the long way, go through Buttle Orchard, 
and I come to the tree for it. Still hard to look at that spot, the missing ladder, and to remember Benny at the bottom. And I wonder all over again what had happened. He was supposed to go home for supper. That's all. Funny thing, the way Mooney stops and sniffs along the ground before the fort. I remember how Matt and Lance sneak up on Benny and me, plenty of times, creamed us with apples. It's one of those things, seems like long ago, but not long ago. It was before Uncle Drum sold the last parcel of land. Boy, Benny Kilmartin would be surprised to know how many people have moved into Merrimack. I think this. I wish Benny could be here now to know Calvin. I wish that a lot. I call to Mooney and he hops right back to me. So I say, good dog. And then I reach up to a limb, pick two nice fat Macintoshes from the tree and bite into one. I roll the other up ahead of us for Mooney and he chases it, tail high, dives on the apple and brings it back to me. I throw it again. We do that all the way down to the drinker's house. No lacrosse players today. If I see Matt now, he'll behave. He will be on the other side of himself. No worries this time of day. When I'm putting Mooney inside the fence, Mrs. Drinker opens the back door. She says, oh, Mason. She's glad to see me. She says, I see our Mooney monster got out again. Hmm, thank you for bringing him home. Then she says, well, you're here. Can I count on you for Columbus Day weekend? We need a dog sitter. Maddie and I are going to see his dad. And I say, sure. She knows it anyway. I'll always say yes to taking care of this dog. The glass door closes. I raise one hand in a goodbye. Mooney looks after me and me after him. Mrs. Drinker sets a bowl down for him. I turn to go. Glad I got Mooney home in time for his supper. Then I notice that I'm mad hungry too. Wild hungry. I pick up the pace. I want my supper as well. All right, and we are going to stop there for today. I hope that you enjoyed that. And I will be back tomorrow with our next section of Mason Buttle.